Oh. Oh. There. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, we do. This is good. And there's pizza upstairs. I'm oh. so excited. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I'm Wendy. That's Melissa. And this is a super exciting moment because Melissa and I are about to have our first, maybe first, this might happen again, we don't know. Oh, I'm sure Um, it will. (laughs) uh, Filling in the gaps marathon. Yeah. Because Uh, as we've been recording and Melissa will be like, here's this great movie. And I'll be like, yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh, you should totally see it. And then I'm like, hi, this is a great movie. And Melissa's like... I haven't seen it. Melissa! I know, right? So so we are going to spend all weekend <laughs> filling in gaps. We're going to trade movies. I don't know what Wendy brought. Wendy doesn't <laughs> know what I'm bringing to the table. It's a mystery. It's so exciting. It's a mystery. It's, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it it's going to be so awesome. We, we haven't even had alcohol yet. Yeah, we don't even know what we're going to drink. This is <laughs> It's going to be a whole weekend full of... What the hell are we going to do to ourselves, Wendy? Oh, oh wow. wow. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. By the end of the weekend, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of booping as we just sort of cut through yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So. Yes. All right. So we have to decide. Okay, now. Who, who let goes us... first? Okay, but when you say who goes first, that means who picks the movie first or who, who is the subject first? Who 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 picks the movie first? I'd say. Okay. 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 So so call it. Do you want odd or even? We have my special six sided die here. Well, it's almost Halloween, so I'm gonna call odd. Odd. Let's see what we got. We have odd. Woo-hoo! Wendy gets first pick. Wendy gets first pick. What what are, you, what are you gonna pick? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have to go look. I have to go look. Okay. 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 Oh, okay. I brought I brought movies. Mm, yeah. I wasn't expecting to go first. I have to like consider kickoff factor, right? Well, so, I have a good one to kick off. So if you'd rather trade off to me, I have one that we could start with. If you'd rather. Yes. Okay. I'm going to show you Gold Diggers of 1933! <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you anything else about it. I presume you already know something about it. I you? know it's a musical. It's a musical, and I think it's something that you absolutely And it was made see. in, or released in 1933. 1933, yeah, that's a good guess. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Okay, you are going to love this. I can't wait. So, we will be back, listeners, after we see Gold Diggers of 1933. Hmm. We're in the money, we're in the money, we've got a lot of what it takes to get along. Oh god, wow, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, granted, 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 we've been drinking Yellowtail Shiraz, I've had a couple of glasses, but it was balanced out by the truly excellent pizza, but... 
What was that? <laughs> that was the Gold Diggers of 1933. That, that was not quite, not quite, but that was reminiscent, sort of em- the emotional whiplash and reaction to uh, going to heaven on a mule. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. the movie's over, we're going to do one last Busby Berkeley like sequence, and it's going to make your jaw drop and make you go... <laughs> What? Going to heaven on a mule being part of Wonder Bar. Wonder Bar. Yeah. Wonder Bar. Yeah, it, which is a truly what the fuck movie. So, so Gold Diggers in 1933. Uh, would you delightful. Like, would you like to describe it for the audience? It is so snarky and bitchy. I loved it. Oh my God, it's fantastic. Oh, and Ginger Rogers is just a little cunty cunterson. <laughs> Oh, I loved it. <laughs> and Dick Powell. And Dick Powell is... Okay, so... Okay, the plot is great because um, the the male sort of romantic lead doesn't want to go on. And, and you quickly figure out it's because he's probably wealthy and it would embarrass his family. And that's what the case. And so his snooty older brother comes on and... The, the young ingenue, male ingenue, wants to marry the young female ingenue who's just a showgirl and she's not good enough for him and he's going to break them up. And so he goes around to talk to her but gets her roommate instead and keeps interrupting her when she tries to say, I'm not her. No, I'm not her. And he doesn't listen. And so finally she's like, fuck you. Fine. I'm going to take you for all you're worth. Because <laughs> you're just telling me that all showgirls are chiselers and gold diggers. And so they decide that they're just going to play him and so when they finally run into the the happy couple ingenue couple and she tells the younger brother by the way your older your snooty older brother and this is what we're doing he's like good take him for a ride he deserves it (laughs) and it's great meanwhile there's a show going on (laughs) and they're supposedly like performing in a show oh yeah (sighs) yeah occasional busby berkeley numbers happening in the middle of this stuff during the depression by the way every once in a while this movie dips into the oh yeah it's the depression and there's like some societal commentary going on every briefly briefly like they have to do the show because all the girls are starving to death yeah and but, you know, otherwise it's kind of this cheerful, zany, snarky-ass musical. It's this snarky, and, romantic, yeah. comedy, um, misunderstood sort of thing. And, oh, it's... And then... And then there are Busby Berkeley numbers. There's, like, a glowing violin made of glowing neon violins wielded by women in, in dresses that look like they were designed by Dr. Seuss. And there are cops on roller skates. And there's a creepy child. And oh, there's, my God. And, there's, there's, and the song. We're yeah, petting in the park. We're pe- she might struggle, but then we'll snuggle. Yeah. Well, what? Petting in the park. <laughs> oh, bad, bad boy. boy. <laughs> petting in the park. Bad girl. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's kind of racy, and there's there's like nippleage every so oh my, often. Oh, and, the and because and the because it's the the early thirties, some of what they put on camera is like, whoa, that's a naughty outfit. What? And it, way down to there, and no bras happening. Yeah. And, oh, some great costumes. Oh, spectacular costumes. But the what the fuck of it all is? Yeah. Literally happy endings all around. Everybody's in love. We've got to do. We've got to do the next number in the show, because remember, this is a backstage musical. So they go out to do the number, the next number in the show, which is the forgotten man number that's all about how depressing it is to be a war hero who can't get a job. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mom! Yes, the the entire musical, this happy, cheery musical about the p- depression, by the way, is ends on this gigantic dance number, which is like Busby Berkeley gets a social conscience and decides to say something there is about literally... the homeless in America, about the soldiers who come home and are unable to work. And that is what the final number is about. It's this dark... Biz- it, it, it's spectacular to watch but you go where the fuck did this come from and you're watching it because totally it's just this about face way over in left field thing there in this busby berkeley number there are soldiers who are maimed and bloody marching as part of the dance number i'm not shitting you soldiers on conveyor belts and so you're (laughs) watching this and it's this, oh, the forgotten man. <laughs> and you're watching, wow, this is, wow, that's really different than what was just happening. And you're thinking, oh, they'll put a button on it, right? They'll put a happy button on it to, nope, the nope. song ends. The end! <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! It's like 42nd Street just took a really left turn and yeah, oh, really left turn and my went way goodness. down that turn. I know what we're watching next. Oh, what are we watching next, Wendy? We're watching my favorite year. <gasps> Peter O'Toole. Yay! Oh, it loves me some Peter O'Toole. You're gonna love it. It's gonna go oh, great. It's oh, gonna go great. Oh, totally. oh, oh, it's gonna be theater, so fantastic. Theater, theater, theater. Oh, it makes me so happy. It's okay. gonna be great. It's gonna okay. be great. We're gonna watch my okay. favorite year now. Also, okay. oh. Be back soon. I'm not an actor. I'm a movie star. So, Melissa, <laughs> what did you think? Peter O'Toole is so good. I Oh, oh, he's so great. Oh, charming, very, very silly movie. It was sillier <laughs> yes. than I thought it would be. And But I love how Peter O'Toole brings that gravitas and yet is also able to be silly. I know! <laughs> so, so, folks, My Favorite Year is this charming movie from 1982, uh-huh. uh, set in the 50s. Uh, basically loosely based on the life of Mel Brooks writing for Caesar's show of shows. Correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. And uh, so... I'm main... sorry, but the, the star of the show is King Kaiser. King Kaiser. Which yes. is... Why would that be Sid Caesar at I, all? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then, of course, they, they cast as the main actor the most Jewish of Jews. <laughs> the 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 not-Belky from Perfect Strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Marklin Baker. Marklin Baker. <laughs> At the height of his Marklin Bakerness. And so, introducing. Introducing Marklin Baker. And yes, he is the comedy writer for this the show. And um Peter O'Toole plays this this thinly veiled Errol Flynn character who is this aging actor <laughs> who they bring in to do the show one week and he shows up and he's a drunkard <laughs> yes an irresponsible charming drunkard yeah. very charming very charming and very silly and it's it's the hijinks leading up to the show <laughs> <laughs> basically chasing peter o'toole around new york city it's the movie arthur wishes it was honestly oh yeah yeah it, it I, is. I, I mean this is the charming drunk that you want to hang around with yes and and oh he's so charming <laughs> and, i mean every time i see peter o'toole in a movie it it just floors me how how many layers he puts in a character oh God, especially yeah. like in the closing scenes of this movie 
when he's in front of the curtain, you can see so many things happening in his face. I know. You know, it 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 it, it's, it was just masterful to watch. And I love when I, when you can see a great actor like that also doing comedy. I know, because he's funny! <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. I'm not an actor! I'm a movie star! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a diversion. <laughs> In two minutes. In two minutes. Oh. <laughs> and the not oh. joke and the not joke it's yeah jessica harper is is the the love interest in this movie jessica harper being from phantom of paradise and suspiria um yes yeah whatever happened to her since the 80s but oh i suppose she's around but anyway yeah she's um the love interest of not balky and, <laughs> and of not balky not balky and 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 she's she's just delightful. There's this wonderful scene where he's trying to teach her uh-huh. how to tell a joke, and she can't. <laughs> and it's this beautiful piece of comedy. Ma- masquerading is not comedy. Yes, it's, it's really kind of perfect. Never again will you think about wearing a duck the same way. <laughs> now what? Is... And there was so much Chinese food. There was so I want oh Chinese God. food now. I love the little touches, like the so much Chinese food. There was like an entire table covered in Chinese. Covered food. in Chinese food boxes. There's no way they're gonna eat that much Chinese. Yeah. No way on God's green earth that anybody could eat. I don't care. Even if you did the whole, you'll be hungry again in a half hour, that's still days worth of Chinese there. Yeah, it, it's, it, the movie's really interesting to me because it, it's kind of light, fluffy and funny, and then it goes, it, it starts throwing in these very Mel Brooks super silly jokes. Like when they're throwing shit out the windows and you hear the cars crashing on the streets. <laughs> you know, well, these I mean, weird throwaway jokes. What's so fun about it is, it's like a Sid Caesar sketch, the whole yeah. movie with these Mel Brooks touches of high, just bizarre, over-the-top comedy, and yet there's actually a through line and a plot that is sincere. Yeah. yeah. And it, and so these three levels that it's working on all play together, and it makes for a delightful comedy that you're just like, I love this! Oh, this is great! It's, it's, it's wonderful. Very charming. Thank you, Wendy. You're I'm so glad you liked it. She giggled a lot I during did, this. I did. It, it was took, great. It, it took me a little while to ease into the tone of the movie. It's like, this is much sillier than I thought it would be. But, it's very silly. But yeah, it's very silly. <laughs> oh, it's so when, I think you got it when they were wheeling. <laughs> yeah, when he, it's like, is he on a cart? Oh, he's on a cart. There's a scene where the <laughs> chauffeur and Mark Lynn Baker are walking on either side of Peter O'Toole. And he's moving smoothly in a way that the other two are not. They're clearly walking, but he's sort of gliding. And he's just got this, these wide-eyed, drunk, sort of just glassy-eyed, <laughs> sort of rotating his head at either one of them. And it's like, and Melissa's just, is he? Is he in a cart? What? And then the next, the next, very next second, they open the double doors, and sure enough, they're wheeling him in. <laughs> on a luggage cart. Because <laughs> he's too drunk to walk. <laughs> and then they pull him backwards up the stairs. Oh, that was delightful. It's this it. very delightfully silly movie. Uh, uh, oh, good times. <sighs> good times. Good times. Okay, okay, what's next? 
I'm going to show you Blanca Nieves. It sounds very Spanish. It is very Spanish because it was made in Spain. <gasps> Woo! Okay. I guess right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you if you know Spanish, you know what Blanca Nieves is. If you don't, that's Blanca? even better. Blanca sounds white. Yes, but don't think too hard about I it. I won't think it, about it. Uh, going in cold is even better. Um, this is <laughs> this is a movie that was made a couple years ago. It started production before The Artist, but came out after, which is unfortunate because it is a modern-made black-and-white silent movie. Oh! And it's delightful. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so I'm, I can't wait. I'm going to show you Black Nieves. This was one of our uh, underappreciated movies. It's one of the first ones I picked. Oh, okay. I, I find it very charming. And folks, this is on Netflix streaming right now, so it should be very easy to get your hands on. Oh, Oh! Yes, yes! Oh! Okay, so, so we'll come right back. Okay, okay, alright. Well, okay, so after all the giddy glee of the first two... <laughs> I had to bring it down a bit. <laughs> Seriously! What the hell? <laughs> Blanca Vientes. Blanca Nieves. Nieves, sorry. Blanca, Blanca Nieves. Which is Snow White. It is Snow White. It was a really great adaptation, and there was a lot to like about it. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Just because it brought the mood down doesn't mean I didn't absolutely love it. It was it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I, I loved how... How it was a woman assuming a man's role, mm -hmm. right? And in a very masculine culture, so that was kind of exciting, mm -hmm. right? I loved the stepmother. I loved her clothes. Maribel Verdu chewing scenery is a glorious oh, thing. Oh, she had great clothes. She had great moments. I loved her just looking at him. All she had to do was look at him and just kind of cock her eyebrow like, yeah, this is the part where you put on the collar and you kneel on all fours. <laughs> and I love, I'm going to eat chicken at you. Very <laughs> ominous chicken eating. I ate chicken. I didn't even swallow Sorry, it. I'm going to spit it out. I'm going <laughs> to spit it out. That's what I feel about that. <laughs> oh, she was she was fantastic. And yeah. I love her arc. I like the ending of her arc mm -hmm. very much. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, oh, I don't know, spoilers, but spoilers. It, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. It doesn't have a happy ending, which is very true to the Grimm's fairy tales, yeah. actually. It, it is it is kind of old school, even though it's very much an updating of a Grimm's fairy oh, tale. Oh, yeah. It's a very Grimm's fairy tale, which it means it's... It is a it's... very grim yeah. fairy tale. Oh, and yet there, there are all these moments of delight in it as oh, well. Oh, it's beautiful. And I love how people are exploring silent films and what they can do for you. Because, I mean, when you watch this film, I couldn't help but think about, okay, so this moment that just happened, what would the dialogue be like? And there's, how do you make dialogue that's going to encapsulate all that that doesn't sound trite? Mm -hmm. That's really hard. Okay, let's just go for just showing. Let's just show it. I've been drinking a little bit of wine, and I think it's coming through in how I'm talking right now. <laughs> You're doing fine, Wendy. I feel like maybe it's a little obvious I've been drinking too much wine. We, we killed off an industrial-sized bottle <laughs> oh my during God. the first three movies. A very, a very large bottle of Shiraz is gone. It's just yeah, gone. It, it, it Kiss it goodbye. Yeah, it's gone. Kiss it goodbye. Gone. Um, so, yeah, I really, really... 
God, I can't recommend it enough. It was absolutely gorgeous. But just be aware, this is not a film that's going to have you clapping in giddy joy at the end. Even though oh, there are bullfighting dwarves. There are bullfighting dwarves. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm awesome. sorry. Bullfighting little people. Yeah, you're right. Wait, Let's yeah, not be rude. Yeah. Okay, but I always feel like little people should be the rude term because it doesn't. But you know, I'm not. I, people yeah. of small. That, that's very ableist of me to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I don't know. Because there was this whole thing about people first language, like a person people with who are little? a person who has a hearing dis- disability mm-hmm. or a person who who doesn't hear well. The idea that you put the person first. I remember this from my teaching instruction. And it sounds good in theory, but it, you end up with really awkward mm-hmm. language, like a person who is smaller than normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, but sticking with the fairy tale vernacular, it's seven. It's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Well, six dwarves. There are but only six. There are only six dwarves, which but. is <laughs> odd. But as I was reminded, you know, it does shift throughout the sort of history of the story. Yeah, the various um, cult, various cultures, have and they are bullfighting dwarves. dwarves, and there is a cross-dressing bullfighting dwarf, which is kind of awesome. I'm not sure what was going on there, <laughs> but it was pretty okay. Oh, it was so sweet. It was oh, and the cinematography was just gorgeous. And, and I love that the the Prince Charming is one of the dwarves. Yes, yeah. Oh, and I really liked because Snow White ends up as a carnival attraction because she's still alive, but she's in this casket. So for ten. Ten dollars, ten dollars, ten pesos, ten ten cents, or something whatever. for a li- for a little bit extra after getting to see her. You can also kiss her to try to wake her up, and it really does play up just how invasive and rapey that is, yeah. which I kind of appreciate because there's a lot about those old Grimm's fairy t- fairy tales that is very rapey. Yeah, that is very hi. You're asleep, so I'm just gonna do things to you, <laughs> but you're gonna wake up and like it, so it's okay. Well, maybe I won't. Thank you very much. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the bride in Kill Bill. Yeah, icky, Think of the chicken. Think of the chicken. <laughs> the, when chicken. He w- the chicken when it was still alive. Chicken, the chicken. Pepe was an adorable creature, and then she ate him but but oh. but chicken while it was still alive with the little neckerchief and i and oh and the father-daughter relationship yeah. was just so great oh okay so we need to it's one o'clock in the morning yeah yeah i i feel like we should not go to bed on a downer right i right? I, I agree with you there okay what, what do you have for me wendy what do you have what do you have okay this is a film that i still cannot believe you haven't seen you need to watch the long kiss good night very good choice. Excellent. Right. It's I am excited. Bring us up with the awesome. big and the loud and this. Oh, you're going to love it. Okay. You're going to love it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be great. Okay. Okay. Da, 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 da. Put my keys in my left pocket. Gun in the right hand side. Makes a bulge. People can see. You want me to stick it in my pants and shoot my damn dick off? Now you're a sharpshooter? So, Melissa, you finally saw Long Kiss Goodnight. I did. I did. It's very goofy. I know, right? It's so goofy. It's like the goofy born identity. Yes. It's the born goofiness. It's the born goofentity. It's... It, both of them have Brian Cox in it, first of all. But it, it's like Gina Davis is playing Jason Bourne, 
and then there's Samuel L. Jackson. That's cool too. Yeah. So and then yeah, and but it's goofy. He, but he's such a dork. Yeah. I love the dialogue in it. The dialogue yeah. is just so slightly off but very real. Mm-hmm. Oh, you saw her tits. That's so neat. <laughs> Yeah, Gina Davis's dialogue is just amazing. And I feel like if Gina Davis wasn't in that role, that movie would not work. No. there There's something about her verve <laughs> in particular that really drives that movie along. I Well, what I like about it, as opposed to the Bourne identity, is that this is someone who actively hates this person she's become. Yeah. That there is there is an antagonistic relationship between the two halves of her personality, and I like that idea. I like that idea of what the fuck? That's not me. Mm-hmm. Jesus H Christ! On both sides, neither of them like the other. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm horrifying and terrible. Jesus, you're boring and shitty what did you do to my ass (laughs) what did you do to my did you see oh my god (laughs) to which i said your ass is fine but yeah yeah no her ass is very fine her ass is fine but anyway yeah yeah that (laughs) (laughs) it it it's very shane black Uh and i think i need a retrospective of shane black to ask has every single fucking shane black film been set at christmas it might have been yeah, because this one also set at Christmas. Which yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3. Yep. Yeah. And Lethal Weapon, if I remember right. Yeah. 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 No, that... I think so. I haven't seen Lethal Weapon in ages, but I, I seem to remember if... there was, there I was Christmas involved. I don't know if it was involved. Lethal Weapon 1, but I know definitely one of the Lethal Weapons Yeah, was I, I remember Mel Gibson in Christmas at some point, and it wasn't a Christ movie, so. Yeah. <sighs> Um, he's got, Shane Black's got a thing about identity. Yeah. He really yeah. likes to play with who am I and, and what is true about me. I mean, yeah, it's goofy, I, but I love just how badass Gina Davis is, mm-hmm. I, but she's still completely a woman. I love that one of, I mean, it's so real and it sounds so goofily feminine, but there's something so honest when she's like, they're going to blow my head off. This is the last time I'll be pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. And, and it, as a credit to her as an actress, when she transforms herself midway through the film, it's like, that's a different person. Uh-huh. It, that is pretty amazing. Her Just even the way she carries herself. Yeah. In even subtle things like when she's starting to flick back and forth and she's talking to her daughter when they're ice skating and just her face gets hard and yeah. mean for a second. And then it snaps and she just looks around like, what the, what the fuck was that? What happened? What did I do? Yeah, it's like all of a sudden she turns into Angelina Jolie for a while. and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Yeah. So Melissa finally saw a long kiss. Yeah. Good night. And we yeah. are taking it's, a break till the morning. Yes, because it is in the fucking morning. We need a nap. I need a nap. But I do know what we're going to start the morning off with. Oh, we're going to see the original Italian job. Yes! I was hoping you'd pick that one. Yay! We are going to watch car crashes in the morning. That's how you wake yeah. up on a Saturday. Whee! Yay! Oh, did any of us get Pop-Tarts? Five, four, three, 
Okay, so amazingly enough, we went to bed at like 3 and we we started watching another movie at 10 a.m. So that's yeah. not bad. That's no, not, not and bad. Ne- neither one of us seems to have suffered any ill effects from that industrial sized bottle of wine we put away last night. Yeah. Did we ever tell them what we were drinking? Um, we were uh, drinking Yellowtail Shiraz. Yeah. I think we did name drop it at some point, but I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we woke up this morning, I brushed my teeth, and then immediately we leapt into the Italian job, the original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what did you think about it, Wendy? <laughs> wow. It's a hot mess, isn't it? I'm, I kind of, I, yeah, I can see why people love it, because it's so, it's not even purposefully ridiculous. I mean, it is also purposefully ridiculous, but then there's just, wh- what? <laughs> why? It, it, like every single scene has something tremendously odd about it. Yeah, and there's there's little touches of just really playful comedy that are just thrown in that are very fun. And that, but oh, but then don't apply logic. Don't don't yeah. apply logic. Yeah, it's not strong on plot or script. It's so sixties. It's very sixties. Now, it's now they could they could make cohesive films in the sixties though. I and this is not. This is uh, not that film. Not that he's a film. And for a it's, film that's about a car that has this central car chase, I'm like, they hate cars. Yeah. Or rather, they kill the cars with their love. No, they just hate cars. No, they hate they cars. Just, they just throw them off cliffs. They, and they, There's a car here. Let's throw it off a cliff. And they Italy must it hate up. them. It must. Apparently, they gorilla they, filmed it. Yeah. And oh my God. Yeah. The, the, the traffic jam in Turin was not staged. They, the filmmakers made it without telling the authorities. The, the cars went through the museum without permission. Uh, yeah. It was just, Italy must hate them. And I think... <laughs> I think I had been told before that it just, the movie just stops. But when you get to that moment and it just stops, it's like, what? Seriously, did did they just all get arrested and mm-hmm. they had to stop filming at that point? <laughs> was, was it the end of the day shooting and then they all just forgot to come back the next day? I've, their visas ran out? Why, why would you? All it takes is two more minutes to put an ending on that movie. And instead they're like credits i want to i want to believe that that final scene like that that very last shot inside the bus like half a second later michael Caine just got up and said oh fuck it (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna roll down the hill and then we're gonna climb it's gonna roll down the the hill and then we're gonna climb down and just pick up the fucking go fuck the bus we'll just carry it over the swiss alps like the fucking bomb traps (laughs) That's the ending to that film. Yes. <laughs> but there's so many just random things that they sort of throw out there and then go, nah, we're not going to deal with that. Like, Benny Hill, one of their compatriots, is in Italian jail and knows their entire plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and, and and Benny Hill, who apparently has an area effect to his high-speed <laughs> filmmaking. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Yeah. yeah. And, 
And then the girlfriend who is literally just shoved off, you're useless, go away. Yeah. Goodbye. She At no point, because I thought briefly, because then the other plot point being the mafia is after them. And I thought, and he said, well, check all the planes and trains and find names. They had to have gone on ahead and we'll know where they're going. And I'm like, aha, the mafia is going to get to Geneva first. The artfully arranged mafia. <laughs> yes, the very artfully arranged mafia. We're going to stand very, very purposefully. It's like flower arranging for goons. <laughs> it's so I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. Yeah. But I'm going to point out to Melissa that two of the three films you showed me just stop and make you go, what? <laughs> the film ends and you're like, that's the end? Are you kidding me? So oh, wait, next... no. All three. All three. Blanca Nieves as well. That's true. That's true. That's true. I'm going gonna, th- gonna to have to up my game. I'm going to have to find an ending in one of the movies I picked. <laughs> well, you, I would like one of the movies you show me to have an actual ending. Okay. Okay. I have a mission for the next one. <laughs> um, so so okay. what are you going to show me, Wendy? I think that we need to watch a musical in I okay. think you need to see Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Awesome. But Excellent. Is... Festus' head is going to explode, isn't it? Well, I feel like <laughs> the, the sexual politics of it will marry nicely with Italian job. <laughs> Excellent. Well, maybe not excellent, but is creepy Benny Hill there? No. Okay, no, thank God. But there are very there are men in very tight pants doing very athletic dancing. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go watch this thing. Yes. Awesome. Well, I'll trade you for a new plow, two tubs of lard, barrel of molasses, twenty five pounds of chewing tobacco, and you wouldn't have a wife under the counter there. I'm looking for a wife. <laughs> okay. 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 So that was. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Wendy. It's... That's... Now, I, now I, I appreciate the great Howard Keel and that, that wonderful voice, and he's, he's very tall. And, and very tall and devilish. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Devilishly handsome. And, 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 but, wow, the politics just got wronger and wronger as it <laughs> went on. That was amazing. <laughs> Your face was so great. <laughs> when the, when the, the song comes up about the rape of the Sabine women. <laughs> oh, the women was sobbing, sobbing, it's a, sobbing. It, it, it's a tied. cheerful tune about kidnapping ladies. Yes. And treating it as a good thing based in the Bible, which it is. Which <laughs> and is then, I think I loved when they were dragging it back to the sled and you're like, yep, just stack them up like cordwood. Yeah. <laughs> and they get to the cabin and it's like, oh, and now we start with the Stockholm Syndrome. And that's exactly what happened. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, oh. And then, oh. <laughs> but they forgot to grab the person. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Would that have made it better? Really? If they had no, brought the person and forced the marriage right then. But, the, you know, there's something also wrong about the person being there at the end and saying, did I hear a baby? Whose is it? Mine. And every what the hell? And somehow that just justifies everything. <laughs> yeah, and let's really, oh. let's really think about how their um how no. those family relationships are going to go from then on. God. And oh, Howard no. Keel, God love him, he is a jerk throughout the whole film. Oh, jerk! He's a jerk burger. <laughs> and this is why this does never goes well when people try to stage it in live theater because no matter how much how catchy the tunes are and how much fun the dances are, you just really can't get over the plot. 
Yeah. Wow. That's just a... Although I did have the idea of Seven Brides for Seven Samurai at some point during the movie, and I kind of want to see that. I don't know why. Also, but you want to see a John Woo musical. I now. do want to see a John Woo musical, because the doves came up, and I went, yes, I want a John Woo musical. <laughs> but but let's get back to the actual movie. That barn-raising dance is an amazing thing. That's some Cirque du Soleil shit going on Yes, there. it is. And Sexy Danny Kaye. What was his name? <laughs> Tommy Rawl. Tommy Rawl. I could watch him a lot. Tommy Rawl is amazeballs. <laughs> you should have seen Melissa's face when I pointed out that Tommy Rawl and Howard Keel were in a movie with Bob Fosse, all three of them, uh-huh. which is, of course, Kiss Me Kate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then Wendy showed me the, the, this dance sequence with Bob Fosse and Tommy Rawl from My Sister Eileen, mm-hmm. which is... The alley dance, oh. very famous, very oh. fantastic. Wow. <laughs> Just... Wow. And so we're keeping with yeah. the sort of wrong theme there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's uh, but Ooh. you have to appreciate that it, given the given the realities of the time, that the character of Millie is actually a really great female character. She is pretty great. She's she has standards. She's like you people are gross, and you're gonna no. We're, this is gonna change, and she she's like you need to change, and I can't even handle you. Oh, he's gonna leave. Come talk to him. No, he can suck it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't treat people like this. Yeah. And yeah, she's pretty great. She she's pretty great. she is the compass of that film, and what and he's all like, I get what I want, and it's actually like, no, actually Millie gets what she wants. Yeah, everybody does what Millie wants, which eh, it's still problematic in terms of the gender politics. But at the very least, when you watch it, you can go, well, it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this is. I don't want to contemplate worse. (laughs) I think we know what worse would have been. Worse would have been seven babies by spring. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, of course. You're right, you're right. I know you're right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, we are going to take an administrative break. That is what Melissa called it. She said, I think we need to attend to administrative duties. Which means I I need a shower. (laughs) I just love that idea. Uh, I've got some administrative things to clear up. <laughs> Namely, Washington. Bathing. <laughs> but after that, I have a movie for you. Oh, I have. I, I figured. I figured we needed more bloodletting. Oh yes. So we have <gasps> Masaki Kobayashi's Harakiri coming up. <laughs> now this is the 1960s Harakiri. Um, uh, Nikkei did a remake a few years ago that. Uh, several people like i actually haven't seen it but this one is this amazing samurai film and i won't tell you much more about it except for the fact that kobayashi was fairly critical of the kind of samurai nobility way okay does this film actually have an ending because none of the films you've shown me so far have an ending it has quite an ending (laughs) so Yes, we're going to enjoy Harakiri and come back. Oh, so so that was a comic romp through the samurai era. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I I promise I'll go back to fun stuff after. Oh no, this it was one, but it was it, amazing. It's so, yeah, it's it's a hell of a thing, isn't it? I mean, it's it, really amazing, but it is just it's laser focused and just 
very steadily paced. Mm-hmm. Not not actually really too slow, but it it's it's the sort of it's like metaphorically when um the person who's going who's coming to kill you and you know they're coming to kill you, but they're down the long hallway and they're just walking at you. Mm-hmm. They're just taking step after measured step and you're just left to stand there and go Oh shit. So you're saying this is the Michael Myers of samurai filmmaking. I think it might yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it might be. Okay, okay. <laughs> With no jumps no jump scares, just uh I'm I'm walking I'm gonna kill you. Mm-hmm. When I get there I'm gonna kill you. And I think we all know that. Except apparently these guys didn't figure that out for a <laughs> way long time. Well because the <laughs> because the premise was I'm gonna kill me. <laughs> now I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill me. Now you guys are gonna wait a while. So while you're waiting for me to kill me, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. And I have <laughs> and to admit. I, I love how the, he takes himself hostage. <laughs> yes. To make everybody else listen to him. Well, I kind of. It's I, I, interesting. I feel, since I don't think many of our listeners have seen this movie, should back up for a moment and kind of explain the plot a little bit. Although I feel like we shouldn't go too far into spoiler territory because part of the joy of this film is seeing how everything happens. Oh, yeah. But as the first, okay, the title of the film is Har- Harakiri, so you know what the central act is, yeah. right? This this self-disemboweling Japanese cultural ritual death. Um, ritual suicide, specifically. Yes. Um, but the f- there, there are two major ones in the movie. And the first one, you, I couldn't help but be a little like, as they're describing the problem of these, these ronin who are like, begging and basically holding you know blackmailing people to give them money and they're like i know how to deal with it i was kind of like that's actually kind of smart you mm-hmm. you say this is what you want then we're gonna make sure that you take it yep but then you feel like an asshole later <laughs> yeah it because it, it, it the movie keeps doubling down with the tragedy of the first one and how it happens and to the point where when it actually happens it's like oh that's really scary that makes me feel real squirmy. Oh God, That's, it's a horrible it's death. Horrifying. It's a horrible death. And, um, and, and but okay. So anyway, the plot. Yeah. So a, a second samurai shows up, and is and, going to do the exact same thing. And so the guy at this cl- house of Ii, clan, the the mansion of Clan Ii, is like, okay, let me tell you a story, buddy. About mm-hmm. the last guy who showed up here and tried to do this. And it did not go well for that guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yep, whatever. I'm still going to do it. Okay, I'm just, are you sure? Because mm-hmm. this is really going to happen if this is what you claim is want to happen. Nope, this is what I really want to have happen. And so he he goes on out to like the ritual area and sits down. And then he just starts fucking with them. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, I need this guy. Uh, he's not here. He's sick. What about this guy? He, he's actually sick, too. It's weird. What about this guy? Okay, that is odd. Now, all thir- three of them are mm. sick. Huh. And he's like, well, since we have to wait around and I don't... You know, why don't I tell you a story? And then yeah. he tells his story. And it's it's really a massive flashback movie. Yeah. it it, it A lot of things are told in parallel and in flashback. And... The, it, it's interesting that like the third act plays out through the entirety of the movie while you get the first and second act kind of interspersed within the third act. Yeah. And it's all almost entirely this mental chess match where society is being used as a murder weapon. 
Yes. Yes, because what really becomes clear... I mean, and you're right, Melissa, this movie does a really good job of explaining cultural things that you might not understand if you weren't Japanese. Yeah. They do a really good job of just in the sort of expository dialogue of what's going to happen, of explaining what the rituals signify, what the traditional things are, what the expectations are, how important these mm-hmm. things are. And one thing the movie does really well is show you, if you're a ronin, how trapped you are. Because yeah. as a class, you are a samurai. And they they make it very clear that at this time period, the shogunate was basically doing away with the samurai. But if you were a samurai, you couldn't stop being a samurai honorably. Mm-hmm. There was no way for you to say, okay, I guess I'll get another job. There was no way for you to put down your swords and go just take a job as a bricklayer. That would have been so dishonorable, you should kill yourself first. Literally. Mm -hmm. Literally. And, like, there's a point where he needs money and he tries to get a job and and the guy's like, whoa, 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 samurai man. Do you know how much trouble I'd get if somebody saw somebody with two swords going to work like that? No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. No, you can't. I can't let you take that job. Great, now I have no money. So, yeah, so like you said, we're, the cultural necessity is being used as a weapon against people. Like, well, okay, mm-hmm. you've trapped me here, so now I'm going to use it against you. Yeah, and I, and I love how the, the first half of the movie is kind of your standard samurai movie with a bunch of men talking gruffly at each other. And, and the second half starts burrowing into... A, a couple of the characters as human beings and so you you see them dealing with a child and you know and and there there's like real tenderness and and uh the main actor tatsuya nakadai who is an amazing actor he's phenomenal it, um he's 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 kind of like the uh i wouldn't say Lawrence olivier but i, I mean you know somebody of that caliber from japan like if you couldn't get to sheriff mufune you get this guy Kurosawa used him a lot in his in his later movies, like Kagamusha uh, had Nakadai in it, and um, um, Ron, which is a an adaptation of King Lear. He plays King Lear. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, well, and, and if you've never seen Ron, Ron is amazing. Ron is the first uh, Kurosawa movie I ever saw, and I was in love with Kurosawa ever since. Wow, that's amazing. The bar high to start. Amazing with. stuff. So yeah, it's um, Howard Curry is an amazing movie. Uh, it just came out on Blu-ray. Um, from the uh, Criterion Collection. And, and there's such a great amazing. moment where the the second samurai, the second ronin, confronts just how blind he has been. Oh, yeah. How his cultural acceptance of what it means to be a samurai has made he himself blind to the realities of what's been going on. And it's such a beautiful moment. I don't want to say anymore because you should seriously just watch the movie. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's amazing. It's beautiful, too. Oh, yeah. it's just gorgeous. Yeah, the uh, uh, Kobayashi is... Um, we talked about one of Kobayashi's other films in a previous podcast recently in the Ghosts episode where he talked about Kwaidan, which he also uh, directed. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, the just minute just... the film started, I'm like, is this that film you were talking about, Melissa, with the really theatrical lighting? <laughs> it's like, no, it's not, but it's by the same director. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can yeah. totally see. The lighting is really beautiful and interesting and very dramatic. Um, and the and the way he sets a, a shot is really striking. And it's. I also just appreciate a movie that I said, wow, that was a talky movie, but there's something nice about a film that just allows people 
the stillness to just sit there and look at each other and talk and make you go, oh, shit. Yeah. This is not going to go well. And it's an amazing slow burn. <laughs> oh, yeah. And... And the and what I oh and the metaphor of the hollow armor oh yeah is just yeah. beautiful. I'm like I yeah. get it. I totally get it. <laughs> By the way, it's totally obvious symbolism. It was gorgeous. <laughs> All right. Okay. What are we gonna watch next? Well, week? we're gonna drink some booze. Yes. We're gonna eat some cookies, and I am gonna change up the vibe. Awesome. Because it's time for you to finally see the Hangover. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm so delighted. Wow. I know. Oh, I'm so I'm so excited. This is this is gonna be the best double feature ever. I know, it's gonna to be total whiplash. I'm looking forward to this. I know. Okay, we need we need cookies. And booze. And booze. Cookies and booze. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did um Did Caesar live here? Um no. I didn't think so. <laughs> Anytime Ken Jong shows up in something, I know. Yeah. 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 And you were so happy to see Jeffrey Tambor. I yeah, and he he was in it for like a fraction of the movie, but, but you know Jeffrey Tambor just fills me with joy. And you get the feeling like with that last moment between him and Doug uh-huh. that. He's going to be kind of okay with what happened to the car, especially yeah. since they can pay for it. Yes. <laughs> with the $80,000. With the $80,000. Hey, guys, I have $80,000 of chips. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, it's actually really hard to spoil that movie because every scene has a weird discovery about it. Yeah. Because it, it, it's really kind of a mystery. It, it plays is. out as a mystery. They They black out and they wake up in this completely trashed, hotel room and one of them is missing and the guy getting married is missing and they have to find him and it's the what the fuck happened last night and going back through everything going back through and clues and like i've got a receipt i've got this ticket yeah oh hey i'm wearing a wristband from the hospital and there's a tiger in the bathroom and there's a and there's a chicken wandering around. And where did the baby come from? And the ch- chickens are apparently a theme. Is this, this your tooth? Is this your tooth? <laughs> and that room is so trash. I The more I watch that, the more I ignore the plot during that scene. And I'm just looking around like, what? The art design on the movie is spectacular just for that room. Because there are just details like the pyramids of bottles. Like how how much did they consume? The, the piano the, bench being suspended by sheets from the ceiling. Yeah. Why? How did they anchor it from the ceiling? We, uh, and what's in what state do you do hardware work like that? I mean, it, 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 yeah, yeah, and the chicken. And the, by, by the way, chickens have shown up in about half the movies we've watched thus it's far. True. And since we saw Blanca Nieves, every chicken is Pepe. <laughs> It was so much fun watching you watch that movie because it's so, oh, it's such a great sort of Rube Goldberg machine, such a mousetrap of one piece falls to the next piece, falls to the next piece, and then, and then Doug. Yeah. And then the other Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, but yeah, it's Kim, Ken, pardon me. Ken. Yeah. Fess infected me. Ken Jong, when he shows up, the movie just takes it to the next level. Yeah. There's something just. His performances are just great. And he's unapologetically nude. He's just flat out naked. Yeah, he just... 
<laughs> was he wearing a merkin? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I didn't see anything flopping around yeah. there, so I wonder if he had some sort of fur pasty going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, a merkin. <laughs> there, there's a term. There's a term for that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a merkin. That's what it's called. It's a fuzzy thing you wear if you're growing. Well, women do, so you're not completely nude and yet are. Sort somehow. No, no, no. It's when, a dick mitten. It's just it's, call it's it a dick, dick mitten. mitten. <laughs> just call it what it is. It's a dick mitten. It's a furry dick mitten. Ah. <laughs> uh. Oh, that movie. Oh, yeah. it's such... I mean, the, the one thing that bothers me about it is that it's that Animal House humor. You know, it's the the white white boys gone, gone crazy without consequences and the women are kind of obstacles. But that's like the one thing that bothers me about the movie. The rest of it is just... Well, it's like, it's, so this, carnival, like, it's I, this carnival of excess, you know? I like Heather Graham. Yeah. I like yeah. Heather Graham. I like that the the bride who's waiting is justifiably like what the hell Mm -hmm. but then she forgives him she's not a complete bitchy person Mm -hmm. right she's just stressed and then when he's like yeah so sorry she's like nah it's all good Mm -hmm. and 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 then there's just the one character who is meant to just be horrible yeah and she's horrible now granted this is very a very male movie yeah but at the same time i I don't care for stupid humor a whole lot, and there and so I don't. I like this movie because it doesn't rely on stupid humor; it relies on ridiculous humor. True. There's the shot of the three of them in the elevator, which everybody's seen, still cracks me up. There's something just about the way they're all sort of leaning askew, like, "Oh, sweet Jesus," <laughs> with the baby. Yeah, <laughs> with the baby. His, his name is Carlos. Uh, I thought he looked like a Carlos <laughs> too. Looked, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the relationship <laughs> with Alan is it develops among them that they mm-hmm. they all actually do develop this friendship with this very strange man. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis. I, I usually don't particularly care for, but I like his character and I like his portrayal this of that really off character. This yeah. is my favorite character of his because there's an innocence there. Yeah. And it's not just weird to be weird. Yeah. And <laughs> fat Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh, but Bradley Cooper is kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of a yeah. dick. He's good at playing dicks. He's, really. yeah. I've seen him play a lot of dicks lately. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, when you see him get back with his family at the end, mm-hmm. I'm like, how much of that was a put on of the person he kind of misses but he doesn't want to be all the time yeah Mm. you know anyway but that was the hangover and it's very it's a farce of epically alcoholic proportions (laughs) so melissa what's next oh and we did eat a lot of i ate a lot of cookies i don't know how many i I ate a lot i baked cookies (laughs) <laughs> and I drank several glasses of wine. wine and cookies. So <clears throat> what I have for you right now, Wendy, um, is actually something we have not mentioned on the podcast before. Oh. And I know it's something you haven't seen because it is a brand new movie. Oh, okay. From New Zealand. Uh-huh. I saw it at Fantastic Fest a couple weeks ago. Oh. And... I heard yesterday that it came on video on demand, which means we can watch it right fucking now. Okay, what? Right. It's called Housebound. Okay, I saw people talking about this on the Facebook. Right. Okay, because but I don't, was, know, I don't know anything it, about it. And going in cold is the right way to do it. It is delightful. You will really enjoy this movie. It 
and um, I'm very excited to show it well, to I you. Well, I mean, considering how much everybody talked about your next, and when I finally saw it, I'm like, oh my god, this is fantastic. I'm super excited. Yes, House Housebound was a favorite at Fantastic Fest. People <gasps> saw it and just pretty much across the board fell in love with it. Okay, I can't wait. Okay, let's go watch it. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Hello, Moto. <laughs> oh yay that was <laughs> delightful i thought you'd like that one so much and it was very tonally similar to your next mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so well it it's not by the your next people that's uh a, no no no, yeah, no no yeah. no no i yeah, knew i knew it wasn't but yeah um i just but remember people talking about how exciting your next was and then when i saw it i'm like this was great and yeah. this it, it, yeah yeah it's 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 a horror comedy kind of in the 80s vein where the horror is actually pretty scary i was well, i was yeah. covering my eyes and, several times but the comedy is really funny the comedy is really funny <laughs> once you latch on that it's a horror comedy it's like this is amazing <laughs> and there's so many really well done bits i mean yeah. just nice clever and what an interesting character I mean, all of the characters are amazing. Yeah, you know, they're they're all nicely nuanced and, and yeah. yeah, yeah. I just oh, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it because yeah. nobody can have seen it yet, right? Right, right. Because not enough people have seen. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't think it's really hitting theaters here unless it's in super limited release. It is on video on demand right now. Okay, because that's how we we saw it here, and um. But yeah, unless you've been at a genre-themed film festival in the last few months, or you're in New Zealand, you probably haven't so seen it. Is it New Zealand or is it Australian? It is New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. I can't really tell their accents apart, I'll just be honest. Yeah. It, that it is, is a creepy house. Yeah, isn't that great? And it really does feel like a... Yeah. It, oh. I, it's it's a ghost story, but it's a comedy. But and then of course, as we're watching it, Fess starts helpfully saying shit like, "Well, you got to figure out if it's a ghost or a ghoul." <laughs> well, and I love he he keeps turning off lights in the room helpfully. <laughs> helpfully, so we, <laughs> finally we're watching the the movie in darkness, which is really the way. It really way is it, how it should be there, seen. There is a wonderful scene where it just goes completely completely to black. And then and you're just hearing them talk because the power went out and they're like, oh, the power went out. Oh, no. Yeah. Is this one it? No. And it's all just black, which must have been so fun in the theater. It was awesome. It and, was awesome in a theater. And I I really like the relationship between her and her mom. Yeah. It was super real without without being, I mean, it's and it's that antagonism that's very realistic without being off-putting. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, just kids and grown-ups. Yeah. Well, well, to back up a little bit, I feel like we can at least describe the very beginning of the movie. Sure, yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, the premise is that you have the main character, this young woman who uh, is caught trying to steal money from an ATM. And, 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 instead and right of, there, that lets you know that it's a comedy because her yeah. boyfriend has a sledgehammer... As he's trying to break into the ATM and he manages to knock himself out with it. Yeah. Which is just like, what? <laughs> but, you know, she gets caught. And then instead of going to prison, the judge says, well, I think she needs a stable environment. I'm going to put her on house arrest at her mother's house for eight months. And you can tell from her face, it's like, oh, no. Oh, God, please and, put me in jail. And and you get to this this big old house in the country. And her her mother is kind, kind of this... 
very working uh, class kind of shallow kinda, when she talks it's all blather yeah just uh, yeah. just the that that character trope of just working class gossip um doesn't have anything to say so she just parrots what other people have said Mm-hmm. sort of thing and and you know and i saw it on tv and so it must be true and and and, and you know this this young savvy yet unreliable narrator who is trapped in this house is just rolling her eyes cuz she cannot stand this environment and and watching these two women conflict is really kind of fascinating yeah. be- because the mother isn't played as a villain against no, the protagonist. Nobody... She's she's more of a an environment that the protagonist is trying to escape, and she's a very real character too. You know, it's not like she's this this cardboard character that's just set up to for the protagonist no. to bounce off of. And she's getting frustrated as yeah. one would with this very moody woman yeah. who, daughter who's back in her house who's just not just not going to be happy, just not going to be happy about it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then, but then she hears her mom call in to uh, like a psychic radio show. It's like, no, no, there's things happening in my house and I have proof and there really are paranormal things. <laughs> and then, and she hears and she's just mocking her mom and her mom's like, you didn't used to think that. Oh, mom, that was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then shit starts happening. Yeah. And then her probation, her, her, her probation officer, you know, she, they- she goes in the basement <laughs> yeah. and has this what the fuck moment and her her anklet goes off in the basement and then suddenly he's there she's like what the hell what you got here this quickly what you just were in the neighborhood and he's like actually i live in the neighborhood and he like shows his pajamas (laughs) and there and then his mom's her mom's all like i think it was ghosts and suddenly he goes into paranormal researcher mode (laughs) yeah he's like this this paranormal hobbyist and he starts rigging their house and and it just kind of goes from there and the movie never quite goes where you expect it to it just kind of weaves around but always with a purpose I found it fascinating to watch a second time. You know, once you know where it's going, watching it a second time to see how everything fits together is amazing. Oh. It, it, it's it's really a delight. It's it's a fun movie. I I really cannot recommend it enough. Yeah. Yay! All right. So. Oh, okay. Then. So what's next? I feel like since it's Halloween and we just watched a comedy horror, that we should go with a straight up ghost story, Ooh. and you should finally see the change. Yay! I was hoping. I was hoping. I was <laughs> With hoping. George C. Scott. Yay! So George C. Scott. I um, feel like you need to say his name through clenched teeth. George C. Scott. 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 Now this is a quieter <laughs> film, and it's it's much more straightforward. Oh yeah. Okay, but um, but it's got tons of atmosphere. Yay! So, Yay! Thank you. Wendy. Okay. Yay. <laughs> tell we're a little fatigued yeah <laughs> yeah so oh we finished another one yeah oh my gosh that, that's uh, right i only slept like four hours before waking up and oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah no, not not that the changeling is a bad thing i like the changeling yeah yeah you know i i have a great fondness for 70s horror it's 
it, it, it it's kind of it's kind of what I quote grew up on. You know, I I watched a ton of that kind of not like exploitation seventies horror, but that kind of classic seventies horror. Yeah. When I was when I was growing up and cutting my teeth on horror films, and Changeling is right in the middle of that strike zone. I kept thinking of Legend of Hell House for uh-huh. some reason, um, which should have been brought up in our ghost episode, and we never touched on it. Uh. Listeners, go seek out Legend of Hell House if you don't know what it is. It has Roddy McDowell content, and it's great. But the Changeling has George C. Scott. It does. And that always makes me happy. George C. Scott makes he me happy. He is very unflappable. I mean, yeah. shit is getting weird around him, and he just sort of raises an eyebrow and looks at it. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, well, dude, you're very calm about this. Time for a seance. <laughs> I'm gonna have a seance in my incredibly large house. He just kind of goes General Patton on shit, you know. <laughs> I like how at the seance he's turned halfway away from the table, like I don't really have time for this. <laughs> he's sort of looking around, like really, this is happening. Ah. <laughs> but it's such a great pure oh, yeah. ghost story. Yeah, yeah. And and the ghost, and it's not giving away a whole lot to say, and how do you spoil a movie that old? And the ghost, being the ghost of a child, so much of how the ghost acts is so childish. Oh, that's very true. Very true. That it's, yeah. Yeah, that, that, is, that is child vengeance there. There, mm. there is no quenching it. Nope. Yep. Nope. I, I found it very interesting, especially after seeing this directly after Housebound, or it, that um, how arch all the scares seem to be because it goes like right for the jugular right away because usually ghost stories at least today when they start nudging at the hey maybe this thing is haunted it's it's always uh, something really innocuous like maybe i imagine that or you know i could explain that away in some way no there's big echoing booms going through the house uh (laughs) uh-huh it's like well that shit ain't natural (laughs) Well, but think about like The Uninvited, which is a much older film, but yeah. they first and he first knows about that because there's the sound of crying in the house and at dawn. Mm-hmm. What the hell? It's like, nope, we're just spooky things are happening and now we're going to tell the story. Yeah. And it, so it like I said, it's very straightforward. There yeah. is there's very little deviation from, hey, this house is haunted. We're not going to fuck around with is it haunted or isn't it. It's just fucking haunted. It's haunted. Why is it haunted? Let's go for that. Yeah, Yeah. we're just going to, why is it haunted? Let's find out. Yeah. And of course, it's it's one of the classic horror that so much of modern horror relies upon, Mm -hmm. right? Like in The Ring... Well, why why is she doing this? We have to find out, and that will appease the ghost. <laughs> and how did that go, Wendy? It didn't go. It didn't well. go well. But it didn't go well. And you you kind of get the wondering, you know, the the child got his vengeance. Is he satisfied? Because mm-hmm. uh, they sort of leave it up with sort of a maybe. I figure I kind of uh. feel like he's satisfied because the creepy wheelchair stops chasing people. <laughs> That creepy, and I, it's such a simple scare, but that creepy wheelchair yeah. chasing somebody is just like, <laughs> what the hell? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I love that seance scene. I don't know why. I, the, the woman in the automatic writing. 
It's really, it, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really, really satisfyingly it's an, creepy. Yeah, yeah. That, it's and a then, good scene. And then when he's listening, and you know I love I love that shit, when you listen to a recording and there's shit on the recording that yeah. wasn't there originally, and you're like, like what? <laughs> and then he, like, has a vision, and he's writing shit down without knowing it, and he's like, and afterwards he's like, I wrote down words, sacred and heart and ranch and metal. We should find out what these things mean, because I am George C. Scott. <laughs> Hello, ma'am. We'd like to dig up your bedroom. This would be <laughs> your, a good... your child's bedroom. Yeah, and that's sort of weird too, right? I suppose. Uh, I suppose if George C. Scott showed up at my house and said, "We need to dig up your floor," I went, "Okay, dude." Okay, you you have a lot of conviction about it, yeah. so I'm just gonna go with that. But like the uninvited, there's a. The central character is a composer, so there's this beautiful music that weaves throughout yeah. and is sort of central to the story. It it would be a good double feature with the uninvited. Yeah. 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 Ghost stories, man. Mm, ghost stories. Ghost stories. <laughs> All right. So next up, we're gonna watch. We are going to watch Topaz. This is not my pick. This is a Harry Knowles pick. This is not my pick. This is a Harry. Yeah. Pick. Yeah, th- this we are watching Topaz because the deadline for the Buttonumathon application draws near, and, and one of the assignments is to watch Topaz and then pair it with another film. We're gonna figure out what we're gonna do. With yeah, that well, first you have to after. watch it. First, we gotta watch Topaz. I've seen Topaz. Wendy has not seen Topaz, so it still and, fits. Yeah, and it, it's Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock. It, well, yeah, yeah. it is not my favorite Hitchcock. Well, I, I mean, I sort of feel like. That goes without saying, because when people talk about Hitchcock, they don't talk about this movie, and there yeah. probably is a reason why. Yeah, the last few movies that Hitchcock um, oh, so this put is out, late Hitchcock. Oh, it's very late Hitchcock. This this is seventies Hitchcock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So once you get like like the delineation point is Marnie, which is a really strange movie. If you've never seen Marnie, Wendy, I gotta show it to you sometime because your head will explode. Uh, but like then after did, like yours did at oh. Seven Brides. <laughs> oh, it's worse. You have no idea. But like after Marnie, uh, it's like Tippy Hedren broke Hitchcock or something like that. Actually, what happened was that the normal studio system kind of fell apart and audiences started um, wanting more realistic cinema, and Hitchcock just wasn't in t- wasn't tying into that anymore. But his his late films are very strange and very interesting. And I'm going way over time explaining this movie, but, you know, the late stuff is like Marnie and Topaz and Family Plot and Frenzy. Um, I feel like I'm missing one more in there. But, yeah, Topaz is one of them. All of those are very interesting films, but they're not the thrilling, cohesive spectacle that you usually think of when you think of Prime Hitchcock. Okay. But it is a hell of a thing to watch. Well, and we're going to do it. Yeah. All right. So we are going to topaz the shit out of this. Okay, so we watched topaz. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was giving it that beat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the yeah. part where you say more. No, no, that no, the, the silence. You're... I was using the silence to communicate yeah. in a more effective and entertaining way than that entire movie. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, that yeah. was. 
I really liked what you said when you said it was like a stillborn. Yeah, it is a very stillborn movie. It it just it just lays there. It, it doesn't do anything. Oh god, I mean I I can't even call it a turd cuz a turd actually plops into the toilet and that means yeah. something happened. Right. It the the, the ah. Just. Topaz is, you know, as I said, it's one of Hitchcock's later films, and he was, at least according to Daniel Spato, who wrote one of Hitchcock's more famous biographies, he was Hitchcock was kind of forced by the studio to make the movie, and he didn't really want to make it. It's an adaptation of a Leon Uris novel, and it... Uh, Leon Uris did the first draft of the script, and Hitchcock didn't like it, so he brought in another writer who was basically writing right up until, like, a couple hours before they were filming scenes. And beyond that, it's just not a story that suits Hitchcock. I mean, there's espionage, but that's as far as it goes. I mean, this is a story that is mostly told through exposition, which is not something that Hitchcock is good at dealing with. Well, when you contrast it with... Harakiri, which is people just sitting around talking to each other, mm -hmm. and that's riveting. Yeah. And here is a film where it's people just explaining what's going on constantly, and it, it just wanders, and you don't care, and there's not one character that grabs you, and it's partially because the movie keeps shifting its focus. It take, It's not until you're about... Jeez, a third of the way, halfway yeah. through, that it finally settles on, oh, I guess this is a story about this French dude. Oh, it, I mean, and it starts with that awkward title card and just kind of goes from there awkward, awkwardly. And nothing actually happens on screen. There, there are, okay, I'll, I'll, there are like a two or three scenes where it kind of starts coming to life a little bit because Hitchcock is doing his wonderful show-don't-tell thing where he can... But then it just kind of fizzles it because fizzles. you don't. It give reminded a shit. me of Gold Diggers of 1933 when the guy comes in. I've got a great idea for a show, and he sits there and he talks through it, and it doesn't make any sense. That was like watching that movie. It was like somebody said, "I have this story about a spy, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and then this happens, and done." And it was about that polished, right? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 well, it was just so... But it sure has an uh, ending. That's the end of Topaz! Yeah. Ding! <laughs> that, it, it did end. After oh. 143 minutes. That is a long movie. Oh. I have nothing against long movies, but that was... That's a movie that can warp time. It just... I mean, I didn't oh. want to hate on it before we started watching it. But, it, you know, especially since I've seen it once because I never wanted to see it again. and But I went, well, you never know. Maybe I'll watch it this time and see something. Maybe no. it'll grow on me. No. It was kind of what I found myself entertaining myself with is Harry's assignment is what film would yes. you pair with this as a double feature? And so as... And things, I had plenty of time to think about that. <laughs> as things were happening, I'm like, well, there's this. Well, hey, Fidel Castro looks a little like Liam Neeson. And, hey, Liam Neeson was a spy in Taken, so you could pair it with that. Um, hey, this is kind of reminding me of Charade, because they're in Paris. Mm -hmm. We could watch, and, and it's about, there's sort of a spy thing there. We could watch Charade, and then I was like, uh, maybe there's a movie somewhere where 
There's what seems to be a likable star, but the film doesn't use him in any way, shape, or form, and it's just a mistake and sort of a lost opportunity. Wait, I don't want to watch two of those films. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Top Secret. Yeah. and but But then I went, ooh, the Russian defector route, which would be like Moscow on the Hudson or... Or White Knights, which I, which is a movie about a Russian defector starring a Russian defector. Yes, Mikhail Baryshnikov. Mikhail Baryshnikov, who and dances in the movie, and that's something I always like to watch. But oh yeah, but then late in oh we could watch Silk. Is it no Silk Stockings? Silk is that stockings. the one with Sid Charisse as a Russian? Yeah, and she sings Red Hot and Blues. <laughs> is it Silk? I think it's Silk Stockings. But there's one where Sid Charisse is Russian and and it's that whole Cold War sort of is she going to defect thing. So you could do that one. That mm-hmm. would be okay. It's got Fred Astaire, right? But yeah. But but late in Topaz, an actor shows up that I'm that I see a lot in uh, French movies. Like mm. this man, uh, Michel Piccoli, is in approximately seventy four point two percent of all French cinema. Like. <laughs> Just about every French movie you ever will see has Michel Piccoli in it because he's been in a million French movies. And actually, as I was thinking about it, the the list of films I, I'm still picking from for this weekend, uh-huh. there are two films with Michel Piccoli. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I think I might need to pick one. I feel like that might need to happen. I'm still thinking of other things that would be better to watch, like, oh, Micmacs mm-hmm. or yeah. Le Magnifique. Le Magnifique yeah. would go well with it. Yeah. It's very 60s. It's spy, but it's funny. Um, what other ones did I come up with? I was just... There were a lot of them. Anything, but... Because... The, because It's not like you have anything better to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I wonder if there's one where somebody inappropriately plays Hispanic, because... Um, Dean Wormer. Dean Wormer as, as a Cuban. As a blue-eyed Cuban. Blue-eyed Cuban. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know, we could also go with one of the many films that has somebody playing an inappropriate uh, racial or ethnicity. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. There, there were a lot of Caucasian people painted Cuban in this movie. And I feel like the <laughs> Russian's accent was very French. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Just FYI. So yeah, there's uh there's Topaz. Mm-hmm. Huh. I have a movie to follow it up with. What's that? I think we need to watch Danger Diabolique. Okay. Which has Michelle Piccoli in it. <laughs> there we go. All right. We are gonna cleanse our palate. We are in we, the morning. It it also it, it, it Danger Di- Diabolic. I keep saying Diabolique because there's a movie Diabolique, but uh, Danger Diabolic is a Mario Bava movie. It is style over substance. It is kind of insane. And it has a lot of stuff going on which that I wish were going on in Topaz. <laughs> Just I, things happening. <laughs> I cannot wait to take a nap, refresh my brain, yeah. um, cleanse my mental palate, and uh, start the day fresh with a brand new movie in the morning that is not Topaz. Yeah.
<laughs> well, that was a palate cleanser. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have to agree. I woke up this morning kind of a little grumpy that that was how I ended such an awesome day yesterday. Well, Topaz was not... It was, yeah, and it wasn't a good last film. I can see why Harry asked for you to make it a double feature, because you should not stop at Topaz. Yes. So this morning, well, this afternoon, because we had to do other things this morning, we watched Danger Diabolic, and that was so great. I'm still trying to place what it reminds me of, but it's so unapologetically gadgety and crazy and secret lairs and... And specialized equipment that only does one thing really cumbersomely. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, A Danger but Diabolic is a movie that is exactly what it wants to be. It is exactly everything it wants to be. And it's so great. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It just It's just going at like 100 miles an hour that way and just <laughs> keep up. And everything about it is really over-designed. Like yes. to, to the utmost degree. And you've got John Philip Law, who was the angel in Barbarella, and you have Terry Thomas, who is the most British thing that ever lived. Oh, God, yes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And Michelle Piccoli, for some reason, badly dubbed. Yeah, very badly dubbed. (laughs) But, boy, he sure looks concerned. Yes, he's... He does concerned very well. He does concerned very well. But um, but Pygar, Pygar, the angel, who's actually Diabolic, the master thief... He does great eyebrow action. Seriously. Yeah. He's got some eyebrow porn going on there. Just the way he cocks and looks and... Mm, and I love that he and his girlfriend... It's like half the movie before they ever start talking to each other. Yeah. The first half of the movie, whenever you see them, they're just sort of fondling and rubbing up against each other. So yeah. that's, that's <laughs> Our, a thing. Yeah, she and her dress full of grommets. <laughs> yes! Yes! Don't you want a dress full of grommets? I kind of want to make that dress! Yeah. Oh, Boy, that would take a lot of time, though. Yeah, lots of grommets. And the uh, the woman with the, the dress made out of plastic triangles. And yes. The, uh, how great is just all the clothes? The, oh, the, well, 60s high fashion was so much fun. And I love his... not vaguely his bondage cat suit with the specially molded i'm like how is this actually hiding your face when it is molded to every feature of your face including your lips it's like oh that's kind of gross it's kind of yeah i I can understand why nobody else has ever made that decision (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that's even turned up in fetish work because that's that's not actually hot it's just sort of oh no oh you put a ball gag in that yeah you're you're your weird fish lips. Mm, no, <laughs> no, no, no. No. 60s kissing, though, is not hot. No. There's a lot of hot things, but it, oh, oh, and the music. Oh, yeah. And you more cone. The music is down, awesome. deep down, deep, deep down. That's the song that keeps replaying over, and that is pretty much all the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> as you put it, this song is as deep as this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's all surface detail. That's all oh, there is. Oh, but it's so much fun. And oh, yeah. That well, was. I love Mario Bava so much. Mario Bava. All of Mario Bava's films are about like that, where they have this amazing, flashy, wonderful look to them. Like you just sit down and go, "I want to watch the pretty pictures." Yeah. And but usually he does horror. 
There, he does oh. a lot of horror. Like Black Sunday is his, and but this is so bright yeah. and colorful and oh yeah, crazy pants and, and yeah, and and um, I never really got into Italian giallo flicks, and uh, but because a lot of them are really style over substance, I never really cared for. Um, Argento, but by God, I tried. Argento is kind of the same way. It looks really great, but oh man, I can't get into the stories. But Bava hits the sweet spot where even though his movies often are kind of deep as a puddle, <laughs> they they you don't care. Yeah, you don't. And I mean, I joked once or twice during the movie about, well, that doesn't make any sense. Shrug. Oh well. At least with Diabolic, you can tell they're like, yep, we know this doesn't make a whit of sense. Who cares? We don't care. You don't care. <laughs> You're watching a movie where he has an underground lair in a cavern with the most crazy pants interior design you've ever seen. If this is where this guy lives, I feel like we should all understand that this is how this movie should go. Yeah. Let's make one single ingot out of all the gold in the country. I know! <laughs> in, in this vague generic european country but still somehow it seems british because they keep yeah, talking British-y. about like yeah ministers and parliament and i know other countries have those but when the person but- who keeps talking about it <laughs> is terry thomas <laughs> hello hello i talk like this oh the minister and parliament sorry and i talk a little bit through the gap in my teeth <laughs> yeah he's got those lips so loud <laughs> I talk like this. I want to have a Terry Thomas film festival because I adore him so much. Yeah, but by the end, everybody would be walking around talking in the most ridiculous. Hello. I would like a beer. A beer. Could you please pass me the whiskey? The whiskey. Nobody would be able to understand anybody after a while because the accent would just go so far. Ah, all right. Ah. So it is day three. Yeah. I've um, Melissa's been drinking a beer. I've been drinking a cider. Yep. Um, we're not nearly as tipsy as we normally are, but no. we are a little punchy from just sleep deprivation and, and, and eating junk food constantly and, for like two and days. So and so much input. Yeah. What? I so I couldn't remember what we watched Friday night. What? It's, what? It was so long ago. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. This All right. A, this is movie number t- 12. The 12 if we don't count Topaz, which, why would we? No, is this it? is 12. This the is The next 12. one will be 13. Yeah. Right. Right. I was I was not counting Topaz. Because we're a little foggy right now. Okay, so it's my turn to pick. It is. What will be our 13th movie? Um, I had a quick look at what movies you haven't seen. And I think, following up on the foreignness, right? Okay. Um. So much of what you haven't seen on that list is horror, and it's daytime, and blah, 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 but I feel like this movie will play even in daytime. You need to see Night Watch. Ooh. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Russian horror film that yes. I never got a chance to see. Ooh, oh, yeah. Good. Because um, the, the Rex boys absolutely loved it, so I, I didn't see it at Con because I never watch movies at Con. Followed it up later, and it is super great, and I think you're, it's, yeah, it's different. Excellent. Yeah. Don't want to see any more till you see it. All right. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Yay! Был был на свете Антон Городецкий Бросила жена, он грустил не по-детски Пришел к колдунье, а ну-ка на колдунье Легко мой хороший, только хлопнул в ладоши Alright, so we just finished Yay. watching Night Watch Night Watch, yes So very Russian 
It is. <laughs> it's very Russian. But wow, what a world. The I know. Wor- the world building in that movie is fabulous. Yeah. And yeah. I love the mythology of it. I mm-hmm. love that everything hints that there are procedures and all sorts of things that you don't know about. And you kind of don't even need to. You just It just builds of, well, this is just how you do it. And, and we all know this, right? So we don't even have to explain it. Right. And, um, one of the things I keep saying about you know fan- fantasy films and horror films is that it always helps to build the world beyond the boundaries of what you actually see in the story because it keeps everything consistent. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you wind up with things just kind of popping up because the filmmakers just kind of decided to look cool, but there's no real structure behind it. And it... Yeah. yeah. Well, and you end up with things like, oh, just in time, as it turns out, I have this special amulet or power that does this specific thing that I'm going to explain to you right now and it will save everything. And and it ends up feeling hokey and deus ex machina and everything right. else. Right. Whereas when you see that they've thought this out completely, granted, it's based on a series of books, so the author already had done the heavy lifting on that. Right. But, I mean, it, it's a good uh, adaptation uh-huh. because, you know... Thankfully, you know, it had this really sound foundation to build upon. I'm just so glad you finally saw that because of all the vampire films I've seen, Mm -hmm. that one is so interesting. Yeah. I'm so bored with vampires these days. I know, but those are really interesting vampires. Yeah, because as somebody, well, probably Anne Rice, decided that vampires should be the new sexy, you know, Uh a decade and a half ago, and they've just been... It, it was interesting at first, and then it just kind of got boring. And it's nice to see something new yeah, being done with them. And I love that he's friends with his neighbor. Yeah. Who's, who's a dark other. I like that they just call them others. And yeah, we drink blood, but not all the time. And maybe for a specific reason. And that apparently the the good ones license the bad ones occasionally. Yeah. What? And when you think about it, yeah, of course centuries millennium of living like this mm-hmm. there would be a weird bureaucracy that yeah, would build up yeah and and i love there that there's kind of this yin yang approach to everything where it's not good versus evil and good must conquer it's you have to keep them both in check yeah and and that's that's a very interesting thing well, it to means balance in the how movie. good are you if you're still allowing dark to exist and do what it and do what it has to do to survive yeah because it ha- it's about balance it's like well we're here we're surviving we have to allow them to survive we can't try mm-hmm. to squash them or defeat them we have to let them exist how good are you if you're letting dark exist mm-hmm. hmm but i mean i presume the next movie which is day watch is the flip side of that and you know <laughs> and and wendy is is, Making faces. Is nodding knowingly. Because uh, <laughs> I've seen the second one, yeah. and it is also very good. So if you haven't seen Nightwatch or Daywatch, they are on Netflix for free right now. And the other thing, and I mentioned it to Melissa, is because um, the producers of the movie, which they filmed in Russian, it's it's spoken in Russian, and I love that language, they mm-hmm. knew they wanted it to go farther than just Russia, so they knew they were going to subtitle it. Well, it's not just generic subtitles. Mm-hmm. They took the opportunity to give the subtitles some effect. Yeah, and some design. They're actually kind of integrated into the scenes. Yeah, I mean, when when the one female vampire is using her special abilities to call to entice somebody, and it's the subtitles are in red, and they mm-hmm. they wisp away like blood in water or mm-hmm. like vapor. Mm-hmm. It's like yes. 
why don't we do that more often? Well, because we're lazy fuckers. But I really, really appreciate <laughs> that these filmmakers did that because it adds. It really does add so much when you know you're going to watch this with subtitles to have the subtitles help tell the story and yeah. add to the mood. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, it, very well done. Yeah. Very well done. I knew you'd like it. Yay. Couldn't believe you hadn't seen it. All right. So we have another round. What are you going to show me? I think it's time to do Douglas Cirque. <gasps> yes! I think we're going to watch <laughs> Written on the Wind. I, yay! We are going to go full Cirque on this, baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was wondering if Douglas would show up this weekend. <laughs> oh. oh, you're going to have so much fun oh, with this one. <laughs> do we have, and we have champagne to drink. Yes, we are going to drink champagne. Oh, and yeah. watch And watch this glorious melodrama okay <laughs> woohoo yeah <All> right. yay <laughs> revealed was glorious technicolor uh, oh it was gorgeous and i got tipsy on champagne while watching it which was perfect that was fantastic oh my god and the music and the clothes oh and robert stack when he's drunk he looks like an orangutan yes yeah. with those giant yep. shoulder pads and the, i'm yep. swaggering but i'm drunk a swaggery drunk i'm swunkery <laughs> lying in bed talking in his drunken stupor which by the way but nobody does for me and he's all like oh mitch don't leave me oh mitch don't leave me and the look on lauren bacall's face is, oh, lauren bacall is in this movie and she looks and that dear listeners is when our microphone apparently died thankfully we have already covered written on the wind in episode 35 so while you sadly won't be able to hear Wendy gushing about the movie, you can at least go back and hear Sharon Steitler doing the same thing. We did one more segment after Written on the Wind, which sadly was also obliterated by static. Wendy ended our movie odyssey by showing me Shop Around the Corner, a charming movie starring Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan as rival shop clerks who, unbeknownst to them, have also fallen in love with each other anonymously through the mail. I thought it was wonderful, and if you are looking for a movie less traveled for this holiday season, uh, Shop Around the Corner is a wonderful choice. So listeners, I am very sorry we didn't get to end this episode in the way we intended. We always seem to be finding new and exciting audio problems. If I believed in such things, I'd swear we had been cursed by the angry audio god, cursed forever to be plagued by random static, faulty electrical cords, and barking dogs. If you have suggestions on how to appease the angry audio god uh, through ritual sacrifice, voodoo, or altar building, please send those suggestions to us through the website at xanaducinema.com. So, dear listeners, Wendy and I will be back next week with something far less anticlimactic. Meanwhile, I will be turning up the gain on those failed recordings to see if I can hear the voices of vengeful ghost children. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. 
You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com. Follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Cookies and cookies. Booze and cookies. Let's not choose booze and cookies. <laughs>